Hi, everybody. Welcome to Shasai Podcast, conversations between scholars from around the world who study childhood, youth, and related institutions historically. As an official production of the Society for the History of Children and Youth, you can subscribe to these shows through iTunes or Google Play. Written and visual materials associated with each episode are available at our website, shcy.org. Enjoy. So I'm very pleased to be here with Stine Grönbeck-Jensen, um, who is a lecturer at the education section at the Department of Communication, University of Copenhagen, Denmark. And I myself, uh, I'm Malin Avidsson, uh, I'm a historian and senior lecturer at Child Studies, Linköping University, Sweden. Yes. So, Scandinavian connection here. <laughs> and today we will discuss a captivating, beautifully illustrated book that builds on your award-winning PhD thesis in history from University of Southern Denmark. Um, Could you please read the title and translate it for us? Um, Yes, it's um, Livetag med fortiden, når børnehjemsbørn erindrer. And it means like struggle with the past, but Livetag is a bit more like a life struggle with the past, if you should translated directly and then the undertitle is when um, former institutionalized children are remembering all right yeah and and um, as far as i've understood your thesis had a different title yes it was called to open the drawer Hmm. and the and and the reason for that is that many of these uh, care leavers as we could call them now um that i talked to all told me how they had for years kept their memories about their childhood uh, in a drawer. They, they mm. used a lot of different metaphors, um, uh, a box of steel or a refrigerator, a freezer, uh, mm. all kind of different uh, metaphors and often this drawer. And at that, when I made my thesis and before I was working at the Danish Welfare Museum where a lot of care leavers came to share their stories and often when they came to the museum uh, it was a part of a wish to open the drawer right to kind of put all the the memories that had been uh, in many ways too painful for them uh, to to be a part of their life to kind of open up that drawer and and uh, get the memories out in the in the open in order to kind of gain control of their memories because mm. in many ways it the memories have had had been in the drawer but at the same time they had a sense that the memories because there was they were not made into words but they were in their bodies and they were in some somehow controlling them mm. so it was this attempt to to get us get a sense of control of your past okay also. yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting that you had um, your kind of basis when while doing the thesis was the welfare museum. Yes. So you were encountering the people you've been interviewing through yeah. a museum rather yes. than reaching out individually yeah. to, to recruit yeah. interviewees. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and just to give some, some background, yeah. um, 
so just like in Australia, Canada, Ireland, the UK, and many other countries, um, caregivers have demanded justice uh, in Denmark as well. And this is centered uh, around the campaign by Gudhavnstrengene. Yes. Uh, so Gudhavn being a former institution for boys. And Dreng is boy in yeah, Denmark, yes. Danish, right? And so they have struggled to, to get a public apology. And that was delivered by the prime minister uh, in 2019. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yes. Uh, which is the same year your thesis was published, right? Yes. Yeah. True. yeah. And and this kind of campaign uh, f- for um, an apology is the framework yeah. uh, that you're relating to. But you're not focusing on the campaign itself. Or the big events, uh, the policy making, but rather on how these claims for redress and the media attention um, is framing the everyday activism of individual care leavers, so people who have yes. been in care uh, yeah. as children. And so, why did you choose this particular focus? Uh, what, what made you start doing this kind of research that the book is building on? Yes, I think in the beginning, I my focus was also very much on the Goodhound boys because they had been struggling for so many years. But I found that a lot of the people who came to the museum was not actually, they were not that interested in the public uh, apology, but they were very much occupied with their own stories. And they also wanted to be a part, so they also want to use their story to, to kind of influence or share history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that there was an existential but also a political dimension to their memory work. Um, so so what I what I what I what I got very very much interested in was this interplay between the individual uh, memory and then the, the shared or the cultural or the shared memory. Mm, or social memory. The social memory, yes. Yeah. And because the 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 struggle for uh, an apology um was so well covered in the medias, there was made a film, there was made a documentary at all museum, there was an exhibition. Uh, it really I think uh became a part of the shared memories in in Denmark of how it was to be placed uh, at a at at a, at a home mm. uh, in the decades after the around the Second World War mm. the, up up until nineteen seventy or something mm. like that, and uh, it became so dominant in many ways in in the public imagination that that I thought it could be um, described as a, as a site of memory mm. as as something. Uh, that that so many feelings and imaginations was kind of circling around, and that was creating a new listening space. All of a sudden, people who have struggled for decades to be heard and be be believed in. Um, suddenly, people actually believed in their stories about abuse and uh, about mistreatment and uh, violence and and so forth. But at the same time. Uh, at the same time, people who have had a really good uh, upbringing mm. at the, at, the, at their um, children's home, uh, all of a sudden there was no listening space for their stories about good headmistresses and uh, a nice upbringing. So 
in some way this shared story also pushed them uh, in order to do some some memory work because now they all of a sudden had to defend their stories and also all of a sudden they had a urge to to kind of um, also influence the shared stories and to kind of nuance it okay. so so i found that uh, this struggle for both the existential struggle and the and the struggle for a shared history was um uh became so much alive for for people who have been placed in care it was kind of activated mm. because it uh, by the struggle for apology because that was filling so much in the in the public space so it so so if you you had been placed in care uh you kind of had to relate to that story and and kind of re uh writing your own story in the light of that yeah yeah That's very interesting and such a good example of how our own individual stories yeah. relate to to yeah. what's circulating in the in the wider historical culture or social okay. memory, whatever yeah. uh, term we use. Yeah. Um, and and you you mentioned several times now the the concept of memory work. Yes. And and would you like to to explain a little bit more why you think that's such um, a fruitful term and yes. and maybe yeah which kind of memory work you yes. which concrete actions uh, yeah. do they take to to engage yeah. with the past like for example writing an autobiographical book yeah um that you describe that the writing of one's own story uh in for example a book um, yeah. as a as a political action actually yes uh, why, why was that important to stress and in what way is it a political action Um I really like the concept of memory work because work is to do something with something and that's that what you are working on is changing while you're working on it and it will never be the same again. Mm-hmm. And so when you when you as a as a former institutional lawyer's child are doing memory work you are transforming your memories and you are transforming yourself and you're transforming also a shared history. So that was this working with something and transforming it mm. that I was interesting the potential in that. And uh, the memory work could for example to visit the archives uh, in order to get your personal files. It could be to find pictures, it could be to revisit the 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 children's home where you lived or the many children's home where you lived. Uh, it could be to re-engage with the people you were placed in care with um uh, it could be to fight for an official apology and um, and then i found this that's that's true i found this that for many uh, they had this dream of writing a book or they were writing on a book or they had already uh, written a book that was that was in many ways an a, a type of memory work that was kind of uh, structuring the journey Okay. If you can say that, because there's also this idea of about the 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 book was is of the books they are written or the books that they 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 were writing had this redeeming plot, you know they they had a crisis then they overcame overcome the crisis mm-hmm. by by working with the past, and then in the end there's some kind of you know. Um, they're they're reborn in some way because they have worked on the past, so they have changed, 
and then then when the book is written it come out in the public and 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 in that sense it be, it becomes political because then it it uh, can be read and it can influence people's imagination and about how it was mm. and and also the in these books there's a is a really a, a critique of the welfare state so it, also in that way it's political so this book writing was was kind of ma- a materialization also of these victims being transformed into political subjects and so it was a materialization it was uh it was and somehow st- structurizing or, or structuring mm-hmm. their 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 journey um yeah yeah i don't know if that was an it totally makes uh, <laughs> makes uh, very yes. much yeah. uh, sense and um and i think it's also um very powerful uh uh how you uh, how you show the transformative potential of of writing and also becoming uh, an author having a new status getting exactly. access to libraries yeah. to making book talks and so on uh, in your so in your own right but do you also describe because this is a very nuanced book uh some of the struggles after the book is published some kind of emptiness or yes um maybe you know the need to write a second book that's yeah. maybe structured in a different way so so you you really get a sense of a read uh, as a reader of a process it's yes. never finished no <laughs> you know no. your book is out there but but yeah. this, these processes are ongoing yes it, they are ongoing but some of the care leaders that i have followed also come to a point where they they are I think we are all in a process of becoming until you know the last breath but at some point some of them is kind of they're still struggling in life they're still trying trying to find meaning and and but at one point the 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 their upbringing at a children's home is not the focus anymore it has to be somehow closed at one point. Mm. Uh, of course it's still there, it's a part of them, but but it is I also I I I, I cite many of the um, uh the care leaders uh, that says that the struggling with your past as a as a as a, as a child at one of these children's uh, home is is somehow a matter of life and death. It's um it's important for them, but but it is also a dangerous journey because it can it all these feelings and all these memories have been hidden in a drawer for a reason because they are, are kind of dangerous f- for you so so to to uh, to do memory work is also to put up as a to to open up the drawer and all the chaos and all the pain is coming up and that is one thing with the book as well um you 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 put it out in the open and then by writing you get it you get some sort of control with it you you arrange it in a in a neat narrative and then you kind of put it into the book so it's coming from the drawer and into the book and then it's in the book and then some some people are afterwards having new life crises but then actually often they have to find new explanations or um 
for example one woman then then she then she then her new way of 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 um of of dealing with the difficult uh, emotions is to um is to dance but also to acknowledge that people have helped her mm. so in her second or it, actually it's it's in her third book uh, then it's a, a more uh, it's a more in somehow nuanced version um and and it's more open to the ambiguities in life right is uh, and and that's a part of of a, of a i think uh um a general uh develop so development for human beings in somehow in some ways yeah and yeah, yeah yeah and um i think there's some some beautiful um uh, descriptions in the book how how your process of writing it and of interviewing also made you see the nuances <laughs> yes uh, in life and uh, yes and uh, problematizing the idea of good and evil <laughs> persons and true. so on yeah true cuz cuz um yeah cuz being confronted for me as a as a researcher with all this uh, pain and struggle and was hard and sometimes it was also challenging to to um be confronted with life not being you know black and white sometimes people were victims and perpetrators at the same time sometimes people were deeply as a, for example sisters deeply dependent on each other but handled the past in so different ways so it it is also very conflicting area this thing to deal with your mm. your past and um so so for me writing the book about their pain and and uh, their struggle had 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 some of the same i think um um healing potentials for me as yeah. a researcher a way for me also to to kind of find a again a a, a need narrative in something that is actually very chaotic mm. and you're doing it in such a great way okay. it's um it's it's a really um i think that's one of the main contributions of the book to to actually uh, to narrate a story but at the same time and a very convincing story and readable and enjoyable read actually <laughs> even through all of the pain but but also um pointing out the nuances and the difficult relationships uh, in a very respectful manner because mm. this is not easy no. <laughs> you know no. um so but there's a dignity to the book that that i really like um you have so you have analyzed the books um but you've also interviewed um care leavers and as someone interested in oral history i've been interviewing myself i was fascinated by how you work with um materiality so not only the books but also as you mentioned photographs other kinds of memory objects <laughs> um and you've been taking walks with people that you interview and one can really sense that you're trained as an anthropologist actually and i'm especially interested in how you talk about kinning which i think is a a concept that you've brought from anthropology right? yes yeah So, for example, when when you've been taking part of gatherings of people who've been in the same kind of institution or have other relationships that 
that are connected to to them being placed in care as children, um, you're you're kind of looking at how how our relationships built and transformed and so on. Yeah. How does kinning and unkinning <laughs> maybe yeah. happen? Yeah. Uh, can you say unkinning in English? I don't know. I don't it know. Makes sense. <laughs> it, it makes sense. sense. It's yes. the active process that yeah. we're after here. Yeah. Of who who are you? Yeah. Close to. Uh, who are you family with? Or, yeah. 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 Um, so how and why did you work with this concept in this very context? Yes. Yeah. Um, I think with the materiality, if I should start yeah, there, yeah. Um, I have very much just followed what the care leaders, leaders had already done. So they have looked at pictures. So I looked with pictures together with them. They have collected pictures. So they were revisiting their their children's home. So I went together with them. Mm-hmm. So they went to gatherings. So I went together with them. And then kinning is one of the many concepts I use in order to, to make sense of what are they actually doing when mm. they're doing all of mm. these things. And one of the things they're doing is to create kin. And and um, and it's to open up the, the concept of what is a family. Uh, because, for example, some of the, um, the, the care leaders I have followed are from the same children uh, uh, too. And they regard themselves as brothers and sisters. They often use that. And then as an anthropologist, uh, it's, it's natural to say, okay, that's their uh, understanding of, of uh, what a brother and sister is. So, so that is what a brother and sister uh, is. And a kinning, kinning is this too. It's, it's in, in family with the memory work. Mm. And that, therefore, it's a useful, useful concept. Because kinning also has to do with all the action you do in order to make kin and um, so so all these gathering the rituals where you uh, connect with each other the 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 whole um, interpretation of the photographs and the whole collection of having you know some a, a lot of the the care, the care leaders don't have any photos photographs of themselves or very few so to collect a family f- uh, album, album in yeah. a way is also to create a kin so so that that it's in that uh, manner and then i then i show the many different ways you create kin because for some it's the head mis- mistress or the headmaster they really regard him or her as as a father figure and the relation to that person is is very important for them also problematic all the relations are problematic but in normally families family relations is always more or less always problematic but uh, and for some it's the the people they were placed with for some who have never known their siblings it's this big effort to visit archives to try and find out who was my family mm. and that's the killing they are making but who was my father maybe they can find a half brother or something and that is the killing work there uh, and for some it's it's uh, there's a, an element of kinning also in the in the shared struggle for apology as a as a, as a survivor group. There can be some kinning in that as well. So many different ways. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and so in all this very um, close work you've been doing with. Um, how many people have you been in contact with, actually? I have followed uh, around 50. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And uh, and some of them I have followed for 
I would say when when I wrote as a, when I, uh, I I wrote my as I finished my thesis, I had followed them for almost six years because mm-hmm. I worked with some of them already in a former research project. Oh, I see. So that has made also given me a chance to follow them for quite a long time, mm. which is very fruitful, and you can see really see how the discussion. Um, changes when you come back to the same person and exactly. have repeated discussions it, and it, so on. True. It can it opens up for the possibility also to follow how exactly the individual stories are are changing over time mm. in relations to to the the shared the cultural history uh, memory but also in relation to new people you meet, new uh, information you find at the archives mm. and so this this how how you how the how the personal stories is changing uh, all the time and 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 is being adjusted in relation mm. to new informations new p persons you meet and and what i find is that as the same with the with the autobiographic books is often that there will be periods of time where the stories get really dark and has a strong focus on the abuse and and also not just um as the most important in the in your memories but also as the most important in who you are as a person mm. and then over time it will be more nuanced and and it will be a part of you but not the whole you know not what explains the whole of your personality or so it will yeah it's been worked through exactly, and uh, and there has there's uh, new space for, for ambiguity and nuances is uh, mm. is coming mm. into the life. Yeah, so that's yeah. really a strength of the of the book and of your yeah. work that you've been able to follow so many people for so, such a long time, so that you can see the process, and and it's also it's also <laughs> I should say <laughs> some Swedish words <laughs> sneaking in here. It's also very. Um, um, yeah, I, I guess hopeful to see the change and the transformative yeah. potential of, yes. of all of this memory work. But is there any challenges you've been encountering uh, in this work uh, over such a long time? Uh, and yeah, do you have any advice for people who would like to do some similar um, research projects? Uh, um... That's two questions in one. Yes. <laughs> Um, I think my, ad- I don't know, I think my advice uh, when you do this kind of um, of research is that, that that has been important for me anyway, that you can use all kind of methods and it's good to have read a lot of uh, methodically uh, literature and so forth. But when you, when you, before you enter another person's home and life, the most important thing is to really uh, uh, be there with all your attention. Mm. And and what, what matters most is not what is standing in a text, but just to really try to imagine how life is from their perspective. Uh, um, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know if, if that's an ad- advice, but I, I have... Uh, to remind myself of it often, that yes. how, how important it actually is. Yeah. To be present and attentive. Exactly, and, that, yeah. that was the word and then, <laughs> I wanted to say. <laughs> and then afterwards one can 
reflect on what happened yeah, and, and sure. describe it in sure because that's in of more... course also part of it that that that's that's your uh, that that is your job as academic to see some patterns in it to see something that the person that you are talking to not necessarily can see themselves that is your role as an uh, as someone who comes from academia and from outside yeah so the combination of these two things yes yeah. and, and and that's um makes me think also about how your um, relationship has been with the people you've been interviewing and, and accompanying on walks yeah. and, and looking yeah. at photos and so on. Um, ha- have uh, they been able to read uh, your description about their, their memory work before it's been published, for example? Yes, yes, uh, of course. I have normally, because I am I am um, in, in this book... I, it's very uh, i go very close on them and their feelings and and sometimes also their conflicts and 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 so forth so i will for example in the third or uh, yeah second or third uh, fourth uh, interview i will start to say i have been thinking about your story and what some of the things i really find that that is that is interesting and that, and that I want to write about is this and that mm-hmm. and what do you think about that because then I can also get a sense of can they see themselves in that and uh, and uh, then and and even and as an important then they will elaborate on it and then we will kind of make some some we will we will be cooperating and get some even uh, better uh, material for writing this uh, um, uh, about this mm-hmm. that I that I have found is very particular for, for their stories and um, and and later on of course I will I will let them read it and I'm always almost sick of worry because they have shown me so much trust mm. and I am always so afraid that they will think that I have uh, misused, yeah, misused their trust, mi- not understood. They have opened up their hearts, and then I have not, uh, not misunderstood them, uh, and and um, so I'm always very anxious. But but um, but I think because we have had these conversations in the process, it has they have been uh, happy about the way they have been represented in the book. That's great, and have and have and I'm and that is what I'm almost most proud of. They feel that they're their book too that's so that's a big really big ownership yeah. uh, from uh, the yeah for the people I've talked to yeah. well that's yeah. a nice way I think of describing the notion of shared authority yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's often used yes. within oral history yeah. that it's it's shared uh, reflections of what yeah. you've been talking about and it's almost like a shared authorship yeah <laughs> true um, in a way yes even though is. you you have had the the final yeah say in yes. in the sense uh, yes. through being the the author yeah yeah um so you've been doing this extraordinary work over a long period of time and um it's really interesting and I'm recommending the book to anyone who can read a Scandinavian language because they will understand Danish and I'm hoping that you will also publish in English based on this material yes. in the future yes. so that we could read more. Um, and just as a final note, uh, what what are you working on right now? Now I'm uh, writing uh, on a book with my colleague Sarah Smith on um, 
uh, on the the island uh, Sprogø uh, that was um, where there was a Silum uh, in uh, between uh, 1933 and uh, 1961 mm-hmm. for feeble mi- uh, feeble minded minded uh, morally. Uh, sexual abnormal women as you call it at that at that uh, uh, time so uh, it's a historical project but where we are really tracing some of the uh, personal stories um, from the archives and yeah interesting so in a way you're doing the same thing uh, because there's now a big film about this but you're true working on the nuances yeah. and building on the public attention that's, exactly that's exactly because that, right that's a big thing in Denmark right now there's yes. a yeah it's there's a, a lot of media attention ex- uh, totally the same as the Goodhound boys where this particular boy boys um home got a lot of attention for for whole the, the in, in in public for how it was to be placed in children's home Sprogø this uh, uh, asylum for, for, for women is kind of the center of attention for how it was to be placed at institutions for people with disabilities. It has the same symbolic power. And, um, and uh, yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to following your work and uh, good luck with the writing. And uh, thank you so much for joining the thank conversation. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Shusai Podcasts. You can find more materials and features from the Society for the History of Children and Youth online. shcy.org.